it's always been. We rise up to the challenge, we give the game our all. With sheer determination, we go in for the ball. Hi everybody, welcome to the Big Footy Cats podcast, we're up to episode 9 of, well, what is now the end of season 2016. Um, we've got a good show lined up, I hope, tonight to discuss uh, a few recent events and the trade period, so first things first, we've got Pivo joining us again. Welcome Piv. Willow, how are you going? Very well, thanks mate. Uh, and we've got a very special guest lined up. For tonight, in an order to try and uh, bring a bit of credibility to the show, we've got the Geelong advert from the Geelong Advertiser and formerly a big footy, pretty sure mod on the Geelong board. We've got Ryan Reynolds. G'day, mate. G'day, fellas. How are we? Yes, former mod. Um, don't know about this credibility. Uh, you might have got the wrong number there if you're trying to talk to someone <laughs> credible, but <laughs> we'll see how we go. Thanks for uh, thank you for being willing to get involved. Very much appreciate it. No worries. Love the catters. And uh, we might be hearing from you a fair bit because you were silly enough to tell me that you'll step in if I'm ever short. And most weeks, whenever we do it, I'm chasing people up. So you might become our regular. Oh, I could could have my own little section. There you go. Any time for you, Willow. (laughs) So... (laughs) What we were going to hey, do? I was actually, I was actually thinking that since uh, I mean, you, you used to go by Rizzo. I mean, Willow, Rizzo, and Pivo almost sounds like a show on Fox or something. <laughs> a bad, a it's bad got a ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> something on Triple M, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what we, what uh, I thought we would, uh, what I thought we'd start with is while we've got you on, Ryan, is to obviously being a very passionate. Cats fan to the point that you're a mod on Big Footy, now being a journalist at the Geelong Addy, which also is a news news limited paper, and so your your stories would go everywhere. How I suppose how do you find the balance? How do you separate the two roles? Yeah, it's funny. Like when you first when I first sort of thought about you know being a journo and obviously being a Cats fan working at the Addy as a, as a footy writer sort of one of the ultimate sort of things you you kind of think it, it might be hard to sort of lose that sort of fan um, or like perspective or you know just be like that really um, ultra drawn person but it's sort of uh, after a couple of years you sort of get used to it a little bit and it's a bit weird like as a supporter I guess you guys would I'm, I'm assuming you guys would think the same way it's every week it's a massive build up and then you know if Geelong win you know you, you're bouncing till Friday and you can't wait for the weekend and if Geelong loses it ruins your whole week and um, you're so down in the dumps and I guess you know when you're a journalist the minute the siren sort of sounds whether um, Geelong wins or loses or you know they play good or bad you you sort of write up that game and then your attention turns to next week you know just as quickly as 20 minutes after the game when you're sort of talking to the players in the rooms you're picking their brain about you know what just happened but you're also sort of quizzing them about next week and I guess you know you probably just don't have that time to sit on it and stew on it as much which probably makes it a little bit easier in terms of being a, a fan and, and having to cover matches. Do you um, do you find yourself is it hard not to barrack or do you still just barrack anyway or what's the if you're in the press box or wherever you're watching from is it hard yeah. to 
do you have to like remain professional or do do you and other journos like openly barrack for their teams? Uh, well, up in the press box, you you obviously get a lot of the club media people in the, in there, and sometimes they can get a bit up and about. So you can sort of feed off their energy a little bit. Um, the journos tend not to barrack, but I'd be lying if I said I haven't had the old subtle fist pump or a slam of the desk, depending on on if it's good or bad. Like um, as as one example, um, when Tomahawk kicked that goal after the siren to beat the Hawks. I think I got three foot up in the air and had to remember where I was. <laughs> a bit hard to control the old uh, old celebrations there, but um, oh, most weeks it's it's not too bad. And then, how do you go? Then, as you meant, you mentioned just before, like if you're down in the rooms and interviewing players and everything. When you first started doing it, was there still just like the bit of the mad supporter fanboy that you couldn't believe you were getting to do this? Or is, is it that still exists to a bit or are you just used to it now and you know the players and it's a different sort yeah. of mentality? I, was a, I must admit, when I first started, and I reckon it's the same for most you know, sort of sports journos who, who start, you're definitely a massive fanboy to start with. I mean, um, you go up and try and interview, say, Jimmy Bartel or a Corey Enright or, a, or um, Joel Selwood and... Um, it's intimidating, I reckon, to start with. Like, you're sitting there and wondering, you know, what do they think of my questions? Am I asking something stupid? Like, they think I'm interviewing them all right? You know, like, you've seen them for 10 years on TV and, you know, you you love everything they do and you just sort of, um, especially early on, you sort of want them to sort of think that you know what you're talking about. But, um, like... I guess probably now I've been doing it six years, it, it changes a little bit more. I think, you know, you get to know the guys more so than just, you know, Jimmy Bartel of football. You sort of know him more than, you know, sort of off the field and you sort of see him around the club a bit more. So I guess like that sort of fan perspective wears off uh, sort of the longer that you you do it and the more you deal with them, like we'll be talking to players three, four, five times a year. So um, it sort of loses that, um, effect, you know, after a year or so on the job, I reckon. Yep. Do you have a favourite? Can you can you can you say that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I love Patrick Dangerfield. I've got the biggest man crush on Patrick Dangerfield, and it's not just because he's a good footballer. He's just a fantastic person to sort of have a chat to after the game. And um, I wrote in my piece after he won the Brownlow, like. Geelong loses, Geelong wins. He drags up his esky or he'll sit on the ground because he's that exhausted and he'll give you 15, 20 minutes if you want it. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard for some of the players after a loss or whatever. They they sort of do it because they're, they're told and, you know, they're friendly and they're nice and they, they give you some good answers. But um, Paddy's just one of those really genuine guys and... Um, He's, he he doesn't he doesn't even if he's I think if he wants to brush you off he he doesn't brush you off at all and he's really respectful through the whole thing so um, often on the field um, Danger's just an amazing footballer and and I reckon he seems like a pretty good bloke too. He's been a fairly handy acquisition. It's fair to say for the club. Uh, he, he might have made a little bit of a an improvement to our midfield <laughs> this year. I reckon <laughs> it's something else he is now. It's a good. This uh, that's a good talking about a acquisition. It's a good uh, segue to go on to our next topic. Is the recent? Well, in the last twenty four hours, uh, I think it was about. Well, twenty four hours. It was about six o'clock, five thirty, six o'clock yesterday evening. I think that 
um, from what my reading of Twitter that Sam McClure broke the story that mm. uh, that Gary Ablett Jr. had requested a trade back to Geelong during trade period. Um, mm. And then I believe the Addy was... I'm pretty sure I heard it was front and back page today. I must have been... I didn't see the paper today, but... You guys are obviously yeah. all over it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Gaz is a, still a big name down here, isn't he? And I think probably a lot of Geelong supporters would be pretty keen to see him back in the blue and white hoops one day. Um, it'd be an amazing story to see him sort of come back and, and finish his career at the Cats, um, considering sort of the history and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, I reckon the Addy might be doing some sort of campaign to, to sort of see if we can get him down there at the end of the season. Anyway, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> we had um, Come Home Patty. It might be something similar, I reckon. Um, we'll get back to the Addy on that in a moment. Pivo, what were your thoughts, I suppose, with with hearing that news? Or at least, you know, there's been whispers, if you're looking on internet forums and, and uh, social media and things like that, there'd been whispers for a few months that there was the potential of him wanting to come home, but to have it pretty much confirmed, and then obviously to confirm that the Gold Coast just shut it down instantly. Um, what was your initial thoughts, Bivo? Uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, I must I must admit, I hadn't, I, like, I, I guess I was aware of it, but I hadn't really paid it too much attention, just knowing that he recently, I mean, he signed the contract extension, I think, was it, he's, what, one year into the three-year deal, I think it is. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I had sort of seen it sort of on the board and stuff like that, but hadn't really given it too much thought, um, other than does he idolize LeBron James and he's dying to sort of, sort of come back and do a similar to what James did with Cleveland or something. But, um, yeah, obviously it was pretty interesting then when it, it then did break that he, he had actually requested it and how Gold Coast obviously shut it down fairly quickly and then sort of... <laughs> I guess today I had a, a quick look through the thread and, you know, there was the um, a few comments left, right and centre in terms of, you know, the AFL wouldn't allow it to happen and things like that, which always, I guess, makes me chuckle a little bit. Um, but then again, you know, look, I, I didn't think it was something that was on the cards and then, you know, it came out that it, it was on the cards and so maybe there is a bit more to the whole... AFL were sort of roadblocking it a little bit as well. So, yeah, it was it was interesting um, how much how much good he would do. Probably is open to debate as well, considering his age and the way the injuries have been. But um, yeah, look, it was a good story at the end of uh, end of trade week, I suppose. And then I suppose a follow up for for either of you two is do do would you expect there to be a play made for it again at the end of the next season, and then. Would it be too late? Like, my sort of theory is if it was going to be done, it sort of had to be this year. And I'd worry too much going forward about the cost and his age and then potential injuries, If it, depending on how he goes this year. I sort of thought if, it's any, if it doesn't happen this year, I'm not... Apart from the romantic side that would love to see him back, I don't know if it would be the best thing for the Cats to have him back. So I don't know what either of you two, what your takes are on that situation. I'll start I, was, with you, I reckon I was a bit surprised um, a little bit that the Gold Coast shut it down so quickly. Um, well, you've got to look at you know their list and they, they lost Prestia and O'Meara. They're not going to be contending 
you know, for the, the most part, for a, a fair while, I would have thought. Gaz is obviously on some pretty serious money up there. Um, just makes you wonder whether they could have freed up that salary cap room um, and shipped Gaz back to Geelong uh, and sort of been able to sort of start their rebuild again um, or, or try and build their list back up again. Um, but I think the thing with Gaz is, and, and I hope the Cats do come back in for him this year, is I reckon he's still got a little bit to offer, even if it is just a Ford. Um, I know he's getting on in age and, and um, you know, he's obviously had some serious shoulder injuries, but I think the positive, if you're looking at it from a, a Cats perspective, is that Gaz's injuries have tended not to be um, so much through age or, you know, they're not those sort of soft tissue injuries there. A shoulder injury you can hopefully get through. It's, it's not something that, um, you know, you, you're likely to, to to be sort of reoccurring as much as, say, like a hamstring or a calf when you're in your 30s. So um, I reckon he definitely have a role to play at Geelong. It's just a matter of whether they can fit him in the salary cap and if he's willing to probably take a pretty hefty pay cut to, to return home. Yeah, Pivo. Yeah, yeah. The romanticism of it happening, um, I think, is yeah. I I guess everyone would love to see it. I mean, you know, it, it's such a famous name to do with Geelong, and um, you know, on that that alone, you know, you sort of think him coming back would you know bring all the membership um, sort of benefits and people on seats and, and things like that. I I probably have a little bit different take on it um, in that just his age and the fact that he's sort of missed a bit of footy in the last few years does sort of concern me a little bit and then there's maybe a, a wider um, I guess a, a wider concern in terms of how we've sort of moved on you know the Chapmans and Johnsons and Bartels in recent times bringing Ablett back in at that age when other guys were sort of going out the other way. <laughs> what sort of taste does that leave with other people and things like that? So, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a complicated one. I mean, he, I think I, I tend to agree with, with Ryan that he, he obviously would probably offer something, um, and he's quite a unique sort of player, and if you stick him down in a forward pocket or something, he's probably going to create havoc. But then there's all the other stuff, I guess, that surrounds it as well, and you, you know, it's a kind of topic I think we, you know, we could probably do a whole podcast on hmm. by itself. Yep, I'd agree with that. Oh, I also agree. I mean, he could, as, if, down a forward, if he spent, if he was playing as a forward that pinch hit in the middle, he could he could still probably cause absolute mayhem. But my biggest worry would be the cost to get him in to start with. And would that outweigh? I mean, Gold Coast are building a little bit of a reputation is hard to deal with. Um He's still under contract. You just—they wouldn't let him just walk out the door. There wouldn't be no. There wouldn't be a. Um, you know, it wouldn't be like the Sam Mitchell situation with Hawthorne, where they just let him go for for a pick. You know, late eighties. They they'd make him pay. So, uh, but it'll be an interesting twelve months. That's all I'll say because it'll be interesting to see how loud the jungle drums start beating as the year goes on. Oh, yeah, especially if Gaz misses with injury or anything like that. I mean, the minute he steps foot in Geelong, people are going to be all over him, aren't they? They're going to be wanting to know uh, what his go is. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would think so. And I mean, you know, Ryan, you'd, you'd probably 
be best place than anyone you know of all of us to sort of talk about it but i suspect you know it's going to get a fair bit of print and um online sort of lineage and and stuff like that regarding it all next year now that it's sort of come out in the open and you know it's not going to be a topic that's going to disappear anytime soon you wouldn't have thought now this is going to linger all season i reckon um and certainly, uh, heading into trade week, day one of trade week, I think that'll be one of the first questions asked is what Gaz is going to be up to. And I don't know, I reckon I've got a bit of a feeling that Cats might ask the question again. And um, as we said, it, it all sort of comes down to cost. Yep. We'll, now, we'll, we'll have a quick look. We'll start to discuss our, um, our trade period soon. I just thought we should also mention we've also had the retirements of uh our two well our two greatest uh two of our three top three in the games list in uh Boris Enright and Jimmy Bartell both hanging up the boots since our since our last game. Um I suppose how do we how do you see that impacting the team going forward? Did you think that either of them should have gone on, or what were your expectations, or did you think they were both they were both done and both finished? Pivo. Uh, start of the year, I I think I may have actually even written on the board somewhere that I I expected definitely Enright I think to finish up, and suspected Bartel probably would also finish up, but as the season wore on, I must admit I thought Enright probably could have gone around again. Um, and obviously, I think the All Australian selectors probably felt the same way. So, um, yeah, the, I mean, Enright's a he's, he's a bit of a freak. I mean, he, he, I don't like using the term irreplaceable, but I think he probably almost is irreplaceable. Um, you know, we went after Tui, you know, for a reason to try and fill a hole. But I mean, how do you how do you fill a guy like Enright? I, <laughs> It was a pretty. It was a pretty sad day. I, I think you know we knew it. We knew it was coming, but uh, you know, it was still pretty sad to see him go. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I saw both of them play their final games. Um, I love Bartel. He, he was a favourite of mine pretty early on, um, but yeah, I think he maybe was probably probably done and probably made a good call. Enright could have could he have eked out another year. I think he probably could have. I would have liked to have seen it. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts? And I suppose also did I suppose being the from the journalist and uh, angle, did you guys have any inkling of what was going to happen one way or another? Obviously, earlier than it did as well. Uh, not particularly. I, I think we, I sort of agree with Piv, um, especially earlier. I, I definitely thought Enright was going to be his last year, just sort of the way the talk was towards the end of last year and. And what he sort of said, you know, going through pre-season. And I thought Bartel probably would go around again. Um, but as the season went on, I think that's that's seriously switched. And um, Enright was still one of our best players throughout the whole year. I think probably the best and fairest result sort of backs that up. And I think Jimmy sort of slipped away late. So, um, like, the indications I sort of I thought we got was that Enright was definitely, like, 50-50 up until he announced it. Um, you know, maybe in the back of his head, he sort of might have known that he was going to retire, but it certainly wasn't something that was sort of common knowledge. Um, and Jimmy Bartel, I think it's it's interesting that I mean, he, he called time in his career, but I think what sort of his comments sort of uh, in the paper and 
and how it all played out sort of suggests that while he did retire, I, I dare say he might have been sort of slightly um, guided out the door. I wouldn't say he sort of pushed or anything like that, but I think um, obviously some discussions between the club and him going forward sort of suggested that he might be best to sort of finish up his his career, which was, um, I guess, a little bit sad to sort of see happen. But like, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, fellas. Like, from, from a fan's perspective, how do you think uh, that Bartel situation played out? Were you, were you happy with it? And I guess, too, did you think the club handled it well? I think it was a, it was a weird situation in that was it about mid-year and, and Robbo brought it up about how there was all leaks that he wasn't going to be offered a contract or he wasn't, he was, there was, was there whispers that he was, there was even some stupid rumours that he was dropped because they didn't want him to meet a certain games because it would trigger a contract and, and nonsense like that. And then the club came out and said, he's got a contract for next year, it's there for him. Um, and then all of a sudden it, so it sort of swung back to make you think he was definitely going on and then it swung late in the year there was questions um, I think Robbo started it again questioning if he should be dropped for the for the prelim and then and then um, my take on it is he was pushed that's the way I uh, I read it The just his comments about how he he thought he had a bit to go on and the club wanted to go in a different direction. He was... Um, I get the impression he was pushed, but I just... Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing, just the way it was in the media during the year, I found it a bit odd, so I don't really know what... I find it hard to read what was happening with it. I think definitely it was probably the right decision. I think he was starting to struggle, and I've always... You prefer to see a bloke go when he's probably got a little bit of time in him but not much rather than go that little bit too long and really start to struggle so um, I think it's the right decision but I'm a bit unsure of if I was happy with how it all went down it just all seemed a bit um, a bit a bit scattered to me I don't know what your your take on that is Pivo yeah I, I'd, I'd probably agree with that um, yeah I mean <laughs> It, it was announced during trade week as well, wasn't it? That he was he wasn't going on from memory. So it was almost like, you know, you, you don't want to sort of buy into the subterfuge and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it, it just seemed like an odd time to, for it to come out. And so you do wonder whether the the conversations were along the lines of, yeah, you know, you've, I guess you've triggered the clause and you can go on, but you know, there's a good chance you're not going to be playing a lot of senior footy. And and I don't think anyone particularly Geelong people, probably didn't want to see him slumming it, to use a bad term maybe, to in the VFL. Um, because of the the status, we all sort of hold him in and he's held in by the club. So it probably was the right decision. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of people that I, I wasn't a massive fan of the way it kind of played out. But... Um, Ultimately, probably the right call. Just, yeah, maybe if it could have been done. I mean, I would have loved to have seen both him and Enright sort of announce at the, the BNF and both sort of get the accolades there. Um, you know, I, I we've read the stories about how people were saying, you know, Bartel sort of wanted to give Enright the time in, in the spotlight. and But, I mean, they're both champions of the club. I, I don't see why they can't both sort of be 
held up on the same stage on the same night type thing. Yeah. I, I would have thought that was quite fitting, but didn't play it that way, unfortunately. And now, I suppose we get on to our trade period, which, um, well, look, to, to it just looked messy. That's probably the best word I can think of to describe it. It just seemed a bit all over the place. So um, I don't really know where to start. Um, probably describes that season, I reckon. Yeah, that's probably true. But it very certainly um, magnified in that two-week burst or three-week burst or however long it is these days. Um, the Probably the best one to start is the Josh Caddy situation. So, and then the, well, the Brett Deledio slash Josh Caddy situation. So, um, we've had a contracted player who had a couple of years of his contract. We'd be basically let go for pick 24 and and a bit of a shuffle of picks down the back end. Um, I found it a bit odd the way it all sort of went down so quick when the night before... I was listening and I heard Stephen Wells on the radio and um, and he said, you know, he's he's they're happy with him. He's he's happy at Geelong. Um, if we we may have the discussions or something along those lines, and then it felt like it was about ten o'clock the next day that bam, all of a sudden he was traded. So I suppose he's a good place to start. And what's what was your reaction uh, to that, Ryan, when it all sort of broke and, and started to happen and is there more to it that we don't know about that you may know about I reckon it was a weird one because I guess you can't sort of talk about Caddy without sort of talking about Deledio a little bit and I guess um, obviously the Cats probably went into trade week and asked a question about Deledio because he sort of uh, was looking for a bit of a move away from Richmond and uh, has his brother plays at Torquay um, in the BFL and um, I, I'd imagine, without sort of knowing 100%, there was probably Motlop was probably thrown up early. Um, Richmond obviously turned that down, and um, uh, talk turned to Caddy. Um, and then somewhere in this whole jumble of things, where Geelong's sort of talking Deledio and and Caddy and Zach Tui's throwing his name around and all that sort of stuff, um, Richmond's tabled probably what sounds like a a pretty good offer to. To Caddy, I think it was four years. Correct me if I'm I'm wrong. And probably the option of walking into that Richmond midfield, I would have thought, alongside Dusty Martin and um, and Prestia. Um, and I reckon the offer sort of turned Caddy's head a little bit. I, I don't think Caddy was keen to leave as such. I, I think the offer was probably too good to turn down in the end, and that's probably what made him ask to go to Richmond. Um, and I'd imagine Geelong just sort of going on on what Wellesie said was Geelong was looking to get back into into the draft because they've lost so many picks through um, last year's trade period and Richmond offered up pick 24 and a, a pick swap. It doesn't seem like a lot, and I think Geelong certainly took unders for Caddy. Uh, I would have thought that you know someone with his sort of experience um, and potential commands would have thought at least a a, a first-round pick, but... Um, it leaves Geelong in a really tricky situation. Like I don't know what what you guys think, but twenty four, in, in my opinion, is a sort of midway pick. I mean, it's it's in the second round, yeah. But you know, there's a lot of good players that are going to be snaffled up before you get there. And uh, I think you look through the history of of those sort of picks, and it's pretty hard to 
get a Josh Caddy, you know, there, I would have thought. Or someone at least who can have an impact on the team come round one next year, which is what Josh Caddy would have provided. Pivo? Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree with, with a lot of that. Um, I, I must admit, I haven't haven't paid a lot of attention to the um, under-18s this year. Um, but there are reports that it, it runs a little bit deeper than it has in the last couple of years. Um, so that there may be something behind us taking the 24 um, based on that. So there, there may be someone that they do have in mind that they figure is going to be around that mid-20s mark. But sort of just looking at the, the caddy trade in isolation, I, I must admit I thought 24 was probably around the mark for him based on sort of his output. I know that you know he's young and he's 24 himself and he's probably got a little bit more upside to go. But, I mean, he, he's approaching the 100 games and there I do wonder whether maybe what we've seen from him now is maybe kind of what you're going to get with him. So based on that, the 24 might not be too bad. Probably the, the bigger issue I have with it is the fact that he was contracted. And that, to me, is the the key in the, the whole saga that of how this played out. I mean, we're talking about a guy who didn't want to leave by all accounts. Geelong didn't really want to get rid of him. Um, suddenly, in the last couple of days of the, the trade period, he gets an offer too good to refuse and Geelong just say, uh, yeah, all right, we'll take 24 and then we'll give you a, a better later pick as well and swap it around. I, If you subscribe to the, when we have uncontracted players and we kind of let them go, in this instance, Caddy was under contract, so why did we not try and make Richmond cough up a little bit more than perhaps, you know, I think he's worth um, when he's under contract? It, it was just a really bit of a strange one that, that happened. I think if you look, like, there might be some greater things sort of at play here as, as well with Caddy, and um, I dare say he's on some pretty good money, um, and Geelong obviously might want to be trying to free up a little bit of cash um, to help with their options next year with free agency, um, who knows, potentially Gaza um, as well. And then you've also got to look at sort of Caddy's role. Um, I know he was coming back from, from injury, but he did spend a lot of time forward, and he his midfield rotation time tended to drop away a little bit. Um, and then you take into account sort of the guys that are coming up that are potential midfielders next year. And, um, you know, Scott Salwood we saw later in the year coming come and play in the midfield. Menegola held his spot down. Um, Josh Cowan can play through there. Guthrie spent a lot of time back towards the end of the year. He can play through midfield. So Caddy, you know, he's, he's you know one of those sort of second, third string midfield rotations, I think. And um, given that money, maybe the, the Cats decided to think, well, maybe we'll free up that cash for a bloke who's probably not going to see a lot of midfield time and it might help us, you know, in one, two, three years' years time. I, I I can understand and can probably see the merit in a lot of that. My my issue was exactly what you said, Piv. Was just he's a contracted player, and it just felt like why would we cop unders for a contracted player? So if he's if he's uncontracted, you sort of don't have a, as much of a leg to stand on. But if the bloke's got a contract, if Richmond wanted him enough to offer him a four year deal. And, and a decent one by the sounds of it, then surely they would cough up to pay, to get him. 
So it just felt that we we let him go cheap when we didn't really have to. And uh, I think that's what's probably caused a lot of frustration with with Cats fans out there. Um, we also we'll, we we saw a few other players uh, who had requested to be traded out move on in uh, Shane Kirsten and Nathan Vardy. Um, it's an interesting what we received for them is interesting. I think what was Kirsten we got a pick in the sixties. Um, we had the problem though, as far as I could see, we didn't have much leverage really because Frio had such a bad year the threat of letting him walk to the preseason draft or whatever they would have had a, a high pick I'm guessing so they would have just happily snapped him up then and Vardy Vardy was fit for the majority of the year and played in the twos all year so you don't really have a huge amount of leverage if if that happens in my opinion so um, I'm worried that losing him, what it does for our depth, but um, I don't think we really could have made too much demands on... to, to put too many demands on their head, sort of, pick-wise. I don't know what your what your take is... Uh, what your take is on that, gentlemen, whoever wants to step in first. Yeah, with, with, the, with the Kirsten one, I think the other thing we maybe you need to keep in mind is that he didn't play a lot in the back part of the year as well so if we we're talking about an un- uncontracted player who didn't feature greatly in the seniors in the back part didn't play finals he wanted out um for us to then turn around to Frio and say well we actually want you pick 40 I I can sort of imagine Fremantle just looking at them and going well all right let him walk and we'll pick him up go down the track um that said, you know the writer there is. I, I've never really been a huge Kirsten fan. Um, you know, he he certainly showed improvement this year, but you know he, he plays as that third tall, but he's he's big, but he plays almost more like a, a medium sized flanker. Um, you know, he's not going to hold down centre half forward and things like that. Um, so losing him not great in terms of the options that we have up there, but I'm not sure it was that bigger loss either um so yeah it that one yeah again it's it's open to debate i suppose but you know there'll be some people that say no it definitely was worth 40 and we sh- that's what we should have held out for others may have just shrugged their shoulders and gone you know it was uncontracted and you know considering the way we've been with uncontracted players in the past yeah we were going to just get whatever we were offered and just walk away with it I think it only comes back to bite Geelong if um, we lose Tom Hawkins, you know, to a long-term injury. I think, like, I think you you said it best there, mate, when you said, you know, both guys didn't feature. I mean, Vardy was fit pretty much the whole second half of the year, and his form didn't even warrant getting close to the senior team. Um, so, I mean, the only disappointing thing is there is that we invested so so much time into him, and he showed so much talent, but. So we've never got the to reap the rewards like a, a Daniel Menzel or a, a Josh Cowan. Um, Shane Kirsten, I reckon, is an interesting one because he divides opinion of supporters so much. I mean, he what did he play? He played 17 games last year and uh, this year and kicked you know, 22 goals. Um, he did play some pretty big roles, I reckon, throughout the year, which probably didn't get the statistical reward which we sort of look at when we analyse games. Um, 
I, I was certainly of the opinion he should have played in the prelim final against Sydney. Um, I would have liked to have seen him stay, but you know, as as we said, um, you know, the offer to probably play a lot more regularly at, at Frio, and the fact that um, you know they could have got him for free anyway. If you sort of got to take what you can get and hope that you can um, find someone else, either as a, a delisted free agent or or in the draft to replace him. But I think at times next year we probably might miss. Um, Shane Kirsten and sort of what he can bring to the team and I guess too he's 22 goals and you lose Caddy's 21 goals well that's 43 goals of uh, you know walking out of the team as well they're our fifth and sixth highest goal kicker I think they were so you know you've got to try and find some some new avenues and I think that's going to be a bit of a challenge this year too and then we've also had just before we look at who has come in we've also had uh Mitch Clark delisted, and Michael Luxford delisted as well, along with pretty much the entire rookie list, bar one person in Parsons, I think, from memory. Yeah. So, yeah, Pivo, for anybody that doesn't know, is a huge James Parsons fan. Um, so, we've also... It's probably worth looking, given the fact that we've we've lost... You mentioned we're in trouble if Hawkins gets hurt. So we've got now Vardy and Kirsten, who are two tall to tallish forward options that have gone. Uh, Mitch Clark, who was obviously a tall forward, who's gone. And then we also had big uh, Lucy and, and Tom Reed in the who were rookies that were both ruckman size that were gone. So we've had a hell of a lot of height leave us. Um, I suppose, what's your take on the delistings? Uh, I'll start with um, I'll start with you, Ryan. So then Pivo gets a chance to pump up Parsons. So, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, how long have we got? <laughs> uh, no, nah, I've got no problems with any of the delistings. I think um, certainly a lot of the rookie guys. Um, you know, you, you could have seen that coming. Luxford maybe a little bit unlucky, but. He got a sniff of AFL footy and probably didn't come on like the Cats had wanted. Um, Mitch Clark, I don't think will be a massive loss. Um, he's obviously, he's, his off-field issues are, are, are pretty well noted and um, he's done well to sort of become a voice, you know, for mental health and, and some of the work he's done there. But um, at the end of the day, he probably didn't play enough football to, to warrant a new contract. So, um I, I, I don't think we lose too much there um, anyway with with losing Mitch Clark. I think Aaron Black's more than a sort of enough replacement for him as such um, in terms of VFL depth, maybe the odd AFL game. But um, the challenge has to come in the draft now where, as you said, we've lost a lot of height. You, you just have to think that Stephen Wells has to start looking tall because uh, you look at our list and we've got more than enough smalls. Um, Ruggles is on the rookie list and, and old mate Parsons there. But... Um, yeah, you just, I just think you have to go tall. Pivo. We were too tall all year, weren't we? Yeah, so that's right. We got rid of them. So. Do you have any but do issues? They cha- is it a change in tactics, though, do you think? Do you think Geelong will look different next year? Uh, the Doggies won the premiership and weren't overly tall up forward. They had a lot more mobile forwards, I, I sort of thought. Um, do you think Geelong's playing something a little bit different where they might sort of have, you know, Tomahawk is that one big key with, say, a, 
uh, Reece Stanley maybe rotating through, but then being really mobile up forward. Can you see that happening, guys? What you always it? tend to imitate the um, the winner of the the flag the year the year previously, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's on the cards. Um, I, I I must admit I tend to think Taylor may swing forward next year. Has uh, you may know this? I don't know if it's been announced yet, but has Domsey signed a new deal yet? That's, I'm assuming it's all confirmed that he's going round again, but. Has yeah, he, he has. Yeah, he'll he'll play next year. Yeah, which I, I believe was going to be the case. I just hadn't heard anything about it yet. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if the club had announced anything. To be perfectly honest, but um, I would have thought that his that announcement, if he was going to retire or, or pull up stumps, would have been made by now. Yeah. Um, and certainly the word sort of from the club hasn't. There's been nothing sort of coming from the club to suggest that you know he was he was going to yeah pull up stumps this year anyway. Well, if we if we're going to look at if we're going to quickly mention if it's going to change how we're going to look, we should probably mention who um, who is come in before we get onto that. And obviously, we also Billy Smets was traded um, much probably to the delight of a lot of Geelong supporters, which is probably a little bit harsh on Bill, but uh, he's now a blue, and we've brought in an Irishman in uh, Zach Tui, and we also with a pick that I basically equate as a free hit. If you're trading out a pick 90-something if uh, with Aaron Black, I sort of look at that and go, well, if he even gets in the AFL team, that that's a pretty good a good result for the pick you've coughed up for it. So what do you, what's your take on each of those players, Pivo? And will they add anything to the team? I, I, don't, I don't mind Aaron Black. I reckon he. Um, I, I know his his best season was what two or three years ago, but um, I, I reckon he can. I reckon he can play a bit. Um, I, he's had his injury problems, um, but I think he. You know, for ninety two. I mean, of course, I'm going to say this. I mean, ninety two. I mean, what have we really lost you know, for him? But um, the only thing that worries me a little bit is I. I have also seen some North supporters saying that part of. What worked against him was the fact that uh, North midfield tended to just bomb it and drop it down on his head. And <laughs> what do we do with Hawkins? We do exactly the same sort of thing. So if that's a problem for him, then he's probably going to be next to useless for us. And Tui? Tui will uh, obviously yeah. add something. Yeah, look, I, I Tui of the of the two names that came up right at the start of the the period in Delidio and Tui, Tui was the one I I was keen on because um, he definitely he fills a, a need down back. You know, he's got a bit of run. He's got a you know he's got a good hoof on him as well. Um, and you know he, he does have a little bit of that uh, mad Irishman about him, um, which I I think probably we could use a little bit of. Um, but yeah, just I, I think just his run is just his, his run out of the back line and his um, ability to you know carry it and then kick it reasonably long. Yeah, I don't don't have a problem with it. I, there's a bit of an issue, I guess, around how we actually did the trade. Um, I certainly not a massive rap of trading out of the first round for a third year running, um, but we do get their second pick, you know, for 2017 coming back the other way. Um, but yeah. I, the mystifying one in that was, um, and Ryan, I, I heard you mention about getting pick 63 and using it. I'd love to use pick 63, except we gave it up in the Tui trade. 
Yeah, of course. Which yeah. made no sense at all. Which made no sense to me whatsoever. <laughs> but I didn't see the need for it, but um, obviously the clubs did. Did Carlton ship that off as well? Did they go to somewhere no, else? they're still sitting. They're they're still still yeah. yep. <laughs> right before Who I knows what they'll get? <laughs> That's right. Pivo well, and I had that trip. exact discussion before we started recording because I thought the same thing. I thought they'd shipped it off as well. Yeah, but, I, something told me that they. I, I thought they might have been shopping it around. No, they shipped off the first, the first pick, our first pick, though, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think ended up with it. And yeah, so, right. Ryan, what's your take on the players that have that have come in? Uh, I reckon I, I totally agree. Zach Tui, great signing. I think he's going to add so much to Geelong next year, um, not just uh, in 2017, but I think in the future. Um, Geelong's obviously identified the Voss Enright this year. We'll probably lose Mackie the year after. That's a lot of your, that's a lot of experience going out of your backline, which which Tui brings. But um, also, you know, if you if you lose Mackie at the end of next year, you're losing a lot of run too. Um, and there's no sort of guarantees that Thurlow's going to return the player that we expect him to be on the back of that knee injury. And then um, Ruggles and Buse so far have, have looked to be that more lockdown player rather than uh, creating off half-back type player. So I think there was a definite need to get someone like Tui. Um, the fact that we got someone that has so much sort of class, I think, um, is a bonus. Um, he's going to, I reckon he'll come in and, and have a really good year next year. He'll play a crucial role if the Cats are wanting to sort of hunt towards finals. Um, and I agree with Black as well. I mean, hate to agree with everyone here tonight, but um, I think that he's sort of been forgotten a little bit uh, just due to the sheer fact that he didn't play too much at North last year. He only played a handful of games, but his form in the VFL was really good. Definitely warranted senior selection, um, especially with the way some of North Melbourne's forward line was travelling throughout the year. Just seemed like when he was sort of building up a run of form, he wouldn't, or he'd get injured, or he wouldn't get picked, and then he'd get injured the week after. So I think you can sort of write off 2015 when it comes to Aaron Black. And then if you look at his two years before that, he was uh, more than serviceable, I, I would have thought. And I mean, if he has a good pre-season, there's no reason why he couldn't potentially play round one. But I could certainly see him... Um, getting a handful of games next year, and as you said, for pick ninety, whatever we we handed up, um, it's a free kick, really. If he if he turns out to be nothing much, well, you haven't really lost much apart from a little bit of wages. Um, and if he becomes a serviceable player, well, it's a good bit of business by the recruiting guys. And if he becomes the player he was looking like becoming a few years back, then you know it's daylight robbery if we've got him for that. So, well, it's... was it twenty thirteen? He had that. It was sensational. He had a really good game against it might have been the Western Bulldogs or something like that and he looked like a real player and I think Fremantle were, yeah, they were in the hunt hard. for him. Yeah. He was might have even been the Saints. I he, can't remember that game, but he just he starred. He broke he had a bit of a breakout year and he was because um, he was very he's quite agile from memory from what I'd seen of him and he was he sort of he was moving around like a little bloke but Obviously, he's a you know hundred and ninety odd centimeter fella, and then weight came in and sort of pushed him back, and then it was sort of him and Ben Brown fighting for that third position, and um, and Brown sort of 
pushed him out and got the nod and, and potentially a bit of that has to do with the fact that Brown had also go into the ruck so the recruitment of Jared Waite really sort of really stalled his um, his career and then I've yeah, got a few he's super mobile I've got a few North mates and they sort of said he was they didn't reckon he's much chop they reckon he's just a VFL player but they said but they said if he gets back up and going like he was when he sort of broke out for them they said it could be a really good pick up it's just one of those ones where it might might work, might not. Yeah, and I think you've got to remember too that Doomsday, talking Doomsday scenarios, Tom Hawkins does a knee or has a hamstring or shoulder and he misses weeks. You've got to have someone that can you know, step up and fill fill that void. I mean, you can't throw a kid that hypothetically if you took with pick 24 straight into that team. You need to have some depth. And I think with Aaron Black, what you know is that he's got 50 games of AFL experience. He's... A mature body. He may not. Well, he's not going to be Tom Hawkins. He's not going to kick, you know, five or six goals every week and and sort of be that massive presence. But I think you'll get a return from him if if you really need to. I'd love Tom Hawkins to kick five or six every week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair point. But Hawk, and then we did hear Hawk was carrying. He was carrying an injury though, wasn't he? For the back half of the year, from the sounds of it, he's had knee surgery and. Um, I was reading it would be a late starter to pre-season. Yeah, he had a little bit of minor surgery um, once the season sort of finished up. But when I asked the club, they, they didn't sort of know how long he'd been playing with it for. Um, I don't know whether that's them sort of trying to keep it in-house or or not, but um, I, he's, he looked restricted for a long time. But um, it's, whether that's formulated or you know, service into the forward line. There's a whole heap of things in play that I think sort of impacted Tom Hawkins a, a little bit towards the second half of the year. And, and do you, I suppose, the last one we should look at is we've also signed that young... Other than that, we've signed a second Irishman as well in the last couple of weeks. So the young the young fella whose name is... Is it Mark O'Connor, I think? Mick O'Connor? Yeah, it's not... Yeah... I, obviously, no I've Connor. done my research, and I haven't... Uh, <laughs> Mark O'Connor. So, does anybody know much about him at all? I know he was obviously... Um, from the sounds of it, he was... He's highly... He's rated highly, uh, as far as, like, an Irish kid goes. Um, Internally or externally? In, well, both, either way. <laughs> but I did hear that that uh, Shifter Sheehan was pretty glowingly talking about him. Um, I did. Somebody on Big Footy posted a highlight clip of him playing Gaelic footy, and he he looks he looks a natural halfbacker, uh, which seems to be where all the Irish players end up um, because they obviously can all run and carry the ball and normally can kick it pretty well and and have a bit of toe. Um, but he he seems to from the footage I've seen, he seems quite a nice mark with the round ball at least and that he he takes it fully like he, t- he takes the ball well at its highest point and fully extended so with his arms fully extended so there's obviously something there to work with um i don't know if either of you two know much much about him the the club itself hasn't really said much since the trade period about any of the players they've picked up there's been a a um a bit of a, a highlights clip on the website and app um, which features like a dodgy Photoshop job of all the players in a Geelong jumper 
on this sort of title screen, but but not much else. We haven't heard from any of the players yet. We haven't really heard from much. So I don't know if you, either of you two know much about uh, this particular player at all. Uh, only that he's a Gaelic footballer. Um, I think he was from Kerry or played for Kerry. Um, but I, I think the thing that stood out for him was, and um, I'm happy to be corrected if I'm wrong here because I'm not 100% sure of his background, but I think he's a very good runner. Um, he, from memory, he might have had a, um, might have been like a sub 10 minute 3K time trial or something like that. I'm trying to think back to the story that we had in the paper. But, um, uh, yeah, you're spot, yeah, you're spot on. I think he, he was definitely sub-10. I think came fourth in that. So, yeah, clearly uh, clearly can run. Well, that's half the battle these days um, yep. in terms of running. So <laughs> they like it if you can run, apparently, the recruiters. Um, it really just gets down uh, to how well he picks the game up, the same as any um, Irish player. And that's obviously, I'm assuming that's why Lucy was delisted was so we could get this fella in, because I'm assuming you're an evil lad, only have one international rookie, or...? Yeah, I think, oh, you... I think you can only have one Category B. Because I actually thought memory. Lucy yeah. was tracking along not bad. Like, he's... From where he was last year to how he played this year, it was so... He'd come along so far in such a short time that I actually would have thought he was worth another year as a rookie just to see how he further developed but obviously I didn't know if the club didn't see it that way or if they had to move him on to get this other young bloke in without knowing a huge amount of sort of how Lucy was at the end of the season I remember that um, BFL final against Essendon and he was ordinary and I just wonder whether that was maybe a bit of a nail in the coffin because he I mean when he was in the ruck he didn't even jump yeah. He basically just ran, stood, and had I think Jamar jumping over the top of him every single bounce. So ah, the Hamish McIntosh approach to send about to ruck work. No, nah, that can't be right because McIntosh didn't get on the ground. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they might have just decided to to cut their losses with Lucy. I think he developed enough, but I mean you've got to really be dominating VFL level, don't you? I mean, I know they're different positions, but we see George Holland-Smith, the absolute star at VFL level, um, but just, you know, might be that cut below AFL level. So, I mean, for for Lucy to come into the or try and make it into an AFL team, I think he's still, like, even though he's improved out of sight, he's still probably a long way off, isn't he? Yep. Don't get me wrong, I didn't think he was going to be a star or anything. I just thought that he could probably... You'd probably almost persist with him for another year just to see. Um, it's hard because being a ruckman, it's a different different game completely and a different position for him to develop as well as opposed to the half-back where they can just run at the ball, get it and take off. So, uh, hopefully... Look, if, if, nothing, if nothing else, Lucy's claim to fame is he lasted longer on an AFL list than the original winner of the recruit did. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. There's a story that he can tell his grandkids. That's right. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, it's th- interesting with the recruit. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, it's interesting yeah. to re- recruit, talking about recruiting. Like, um, there's a reason a lot of these guys aren't on AFL lists or in an elite system. It's because Australia's got such a small talent pool that uh, it's pretty easy to get picked up. You know, not many guys sort of fly under the radar. Um, 
So I'd be surprised if any of these sort of guys go on to forge sort of long AFL careers for that reason. I think it's sort of further proof when Lucy makes it two years. The bloke who wanted who was meant to be the best of that gets to listed after one. Yep. Um, sort of probably says where the talent pool is outside of that elite system, I think. Yeah, I think so. Boys, I've gone overtime what I plan to, as per normal. Um, so that might just about wrap us up, I think. Um, thank you both for, for being on. Pivo again. No problems, mate. Hey, uh, are you going to do a Christmas special? We might. Or... <laughs> there might be something Excellent. in the works. There's a whisper that. that there's a whisper that Daz Broncos might be in town. So rather than him getting up at three a.m. to try and do a podcast, I might try and just make one up just so he can do one in normal time. Okay, and you should do it when everyone's drunk as well. We might do that as well. That sounds like a good yeah. idea. What could possibly <laughs> go wrong? What indeed? <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, joining us, Ryan. No, I love being on, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Um, as I said, any time. Happy to talk catters any day. And uh, Ryan also let, let a bit of mail out that he knows people that listen to the show, which means that people actually have listened to this podcast. So that was a bit exciting. Well, I can guarantee yeah. you're going to get at least three listeners every week from the guys <laughs> I talk to. So, <laughs> All right. Um, but did they listen to it and then make fun of us or do they go yeah no they actually know what they're talking about yeah it's uh, don't answer it i don't think i want to know what the actual answer i was just going to say no comment (laughs) (laughs) hey i'll have you know that this podcast has been referred to by at least one person as better than the club one so that's on record that's it a couple of people actually they reckon it goes all right so Room for improvement. Drunken Christmas special might go through the roof then. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll try. And I can tell people I am trying to work on getting a a very special guest on who certain people at the club have told me they think would be a great idea, but I'm just trying to actually get in touch with people to get it all happening. So watch this space. Hopefully over the pre-season would be nice if we could try and get it to, to happen by the end of the year, but I don't want to give away what I'm trying to get happening so watch this space that's all i'll say uh otherwise thanks very much guys for uh being part of it all and we'll be back um when something exciting happens next and we can do another show cheers cheers